Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays. It's a text-driven Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. Morning. Good morning. How you doing? Just waiting on this coffee to kick in. Oh, yeah? Yep. Long weekend. Yes, it was, but um, it was very good. Yeah, we had our, our conference, Conform to Christ conference. No. <laughs> no. That is incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> the Christ Center Church. What, what is it? The, the, uh, the Donald one? Trump meme? Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> need, my cof- need my coffee to keep uh-huh. Christ centered Christ centered churches conference. Yeah. It's a good com- good conference. I think it was one of my favorite favorite ones. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. Maybe just because of the the topic we had. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. Uh, there were a lot of new people there too. I there was a lot of people there that I didn't recognize. Yeah. Um the um the pastor that won the first giveaway. Uh-huh. You have any idea where he was from? I think I think Josh knows that person. I, I know he knew the guy that got the John Owens ones, but the the one that was given away on Friday night. I didn't even the see the older the older pastor. Mm, I didn't see. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know who that uh, I don't know who that was. Mm. Don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was a good time. Um it was number six, and it just doesn't feel right quitting on number six. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> just incomplete, you know? Had a lot of people sad that uh, this was the last one. Yeah. <clears throat> well, we'll see what happens. Who knows? Who knows what happens? If yeah. uh, if every if we're still here next year, maybe maybe we go again. But I saw... Um, Planet X, it's on its way again. So, oh yeah, you never again? know. You never know. Yeah, the dating was off. They used the uh, the solar. They should have been using like the lunar calendar, something like that. But it's on its way back. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> About to be a polar shift, apparently. And uh, okay, you, George, you, you, uh, you can be honest with me. You're like, you probably wonder, like, what? Why do you waste your time? Why do you waste your time? I just can't help it. I can't I I, not not that I don't believe it. Uh-huh. Like I don't I don't believe this stuff, right? Yeah. It's like you just, you just it's enjoy just like it. amuse it's like amusing to me, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like it's almost like I don't know. It's not like a comedy, but Yeah. Anyway. I just think I just it gives me insight into like the type of weird stuff that people So when believe. so when is this planet X supposed to It's already almost here. Almost it's, here. It's behind the sun though, so you can't see it. Mm. So the approach we won't be able to see it until like it's right there, and then by then it's like. What are they? Well, I mean, what what would we do anyway? I don't know. I mean, I it, mean it's it, the the poles will I mean, shift, you, so we'll end up like. Yeah, I mean, uh, what do you do? Um, who knows where we'll end up? Right. But Antarctica is going to thaw. We'll okay. discover like uh, that. That was probably like the uh, lost uh-huh. civilization of Atlantis. Who knows what right, we'll discover? Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe we freeze instantly. It's like the what is it? The uh, forgotten world. World mm-hmm. dinosaurs are still alive. Um. When, when is this supposed to happen? It's already happening, they say. That's why earthquakes are increasing. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, just for the record. I, so I, any, any I'm day not, now? I'm not, I'm not on, in here. I, I thought they used to call it like a Nibiru or something, but now they're calling it Planet X. Planet is, X. Or are they two different ones? I don't know. I've, I've heard of Planet X. Huh. Well, if we're still around, if we're still around, I'm going to do a little. Happen. I'm going to do a little plug here, Jay. If we're still around in April, 
Josh King is having a conference. Oh yeah, that's right. At Meridian Church, mm-hmm. uh, the Faith for Faith Conference, April twenty first and twenty second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he um, he every year he does kind of a biographical um, lecture yeah. on, a, on a historical figure in the Christian faith. Yeah, um, he's done C.S. Lewis. Last year was Martin Lloyd Jones, uh, or this year, I guess. Um, and uh, next year is going to be J.C. Ryle. Uh-huh. And uh, but he is expanding it to a two-day conference, and uh, I'll be preaching at it on uh, God's steadfast love. Okay. Are you preaching Hebrews? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Come on. You know. I'm not sure. Well, I've got, <laughs> well, I've got to preach four sermons for him, and uh, I don't know. He'd, he'd probably... He'd probably be annoyed if I did four out of Hebrews. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's April twenty first and twenty second. Cool. Yeah, if we're still so, around. Yeah, that's right. So there are still uh, there are still conferences that are going on. Yes, indeed. We're back in. Uh, we are back in Hebrews <clears throat> this morning. Yeah, and uh, you are in Hebrews nine. And you did verses 11 through, where did you stop? 14. Yes. So if you have a Bible, you'll want to grab it. Hebrews 9, 11 through 14. I like doing these uh, these shorter shorter passages uh-huh. and really kind of digging into them. Yeah. Yep. So it was good. We, um, you said you have some extra... Free for you or not free for all Friday, but you got extra text driven Tuesday material. I got a little bit of stuff we can talk about that yeah. you couldn't bring out. Well, um, it would have been. It, it's, it's not helpful. It's just interesting, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's there's stuff that I I wasn't going to bring out in the sermon. Yeah. So in this section, you. Um, what you were? Oh, those are my notes. Those are my those are my scribbles. Uh, did you see that? I did see that. I couldn't decipher um, it. I Drake, need the Rosetta Stone to. I might be better off your, taking your notes. Heads. Like Drake, Drake's over here thumbing out the notes on his phone. People uh-huh. probably think he's playing a video game, but he's like thumbing out his notes on his on his phone. Mm-hmm. Mine are just scratched out. There, yeah. it's like a code, but it's not code. It's just so sloppy. No one can read it but me. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna. Uh, I don't know. Should I name him? One of our church members. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'd mind if I named him, but he he takes very detailed notes. He uh-huh. was showing me his notebook, yeah, yesterday, and he uh, he was talking about the notes he took at the conference. And uh, was it Saturday night? He was uh, messaging me, and he said he was compiling them, and he was putting tabs into his. Notes. I know who it is. Oh yeah. Um, so <laughs> I don't do that. Yeah, but he takes very, uh, very detailed. Notes. So, he'll, but he'll take he them putting, down then and then later tabs. put them on the computer, uh, I or don't take know. them on a tablet. I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't know that. He probably can can tell us. So, but yeah, he's got he's got tabs for uh, for all his notes. Yeah, you uh, you started off with a little introduction on <clears throat> overconfidence. Mm-hmm. You ever been overconfident, Jay? Yes, I have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can. I can. I already knew the answer to that. I already told you a story I... <laughs> about it. Yeah, I already told you the story. <clears throat> I, I guess you're wanting me to tell the story. Oh, I, I, hey, you can. So my dad used to tell me. I just knew that you, uh, you, yeah, uh, you just you come across as a guy that 
could be a little overconfident. Well, you know, you got you can't you cannot play baseball and not be confident. Uh-huh. Like when you walk up to the batter's box, right? You have to believe, no matter what happened before. Mm-hmm. You may have struck out three times before yeah. this. It's your fourth at bat. That's gone. Like it's went into a black hole somewhere. Mm. Unless you're a terrible baseball player, then you're gonna go up and strike out again. <laughs> <laughs> but it's gone, and like you think you you have to think you're the best hitter in the world mm-hmm. every time you step in. You have to believe it, like mm-hmm. for real. So baseball players, they all they all have major swagger. Did you watch the? You cannot survive. Did you watch that game six? Yeah, I watched. Watch the Astros win. Uh, yeah, I watched all of it. Yeah. It's a little disappointing that that uh, that ninth inning with the Phillies just seemed like they were. Yeah, just kind of seemed like they ran out of steam and were just mm-hmm. swinging, just popping up. Maybe the pitching was just on. Maybe, yeah. That was a good series. Yeah. We'll say we'll save my story for later. Okay. That's how I got my crooked nose. Mm. Overconfidence. But everyone can identify with our politicians, and that's kind of what you talked about at the beginning, how uh-huh. overconfident they are. Uh-huh. I don't know if it's like they are overconfident, but I don't think they really believe the things that they say. Do you think they do? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You said a couple. You had yeah. Well, Biden. I was well. I was looking up stuff, and I came across Biden's. I mean, this is a quote: "If I'm elected, we're going to cure cancer." <laughs> yeah, that was that was uh, that was a quote. A uh, he's, he's got his plan to end uh, hunger in the U.S. by 2030, mm-hmm. um, and then Trump's: "I will build a great, great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall." Mark <laughs> right. my words. Mark my words. Mark my words. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I I uh, I came across a lot of Trump <laughs> quotes I as I was looking up things. He's uh, he's not lacking in self confidence. No, no, he's not. Yeah, he was talking about uh, about China and how uh, the U.S. continue continues to lose to China in the uh, economy. Mm-hmm. And then he said, "I but I never lose to China." <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was trying to find something really good with uh, AOC, mm-hmm. but um, I, I found dumb things that she'd said. But I, I didn't see, um, I didn't see anything that was like mm-hmm. really good for my intro. Right? Did you watch her? We're gonna chase rabbits today, Jay. I'm just, I'm just in the mood. <laughs> did, you, did you see her? Did you see her latest video? Mm-mm. You know she. Uh, so Elon Musk bought Twitter. Yes, I and saw he yeah. and he was um, he was saying that that he was thrown around the idea of charging eight dollars for the blue for check the blue mark. check mark. Yeah, per month. Yeah, and then um, AOC she she uh, tweeted something uh, something snarky uh-huh. in response, and Elon Musk he uh, he said thank you for your input. Now pay pay eight dollars or something. Yeah. Uh, but she she posts this video talking about him and about how her team you know uh, produces actual goods and stuff. But it, the entire time she's like smacking on chicken nuggets or something. <laughs> <laughs> she's sitting here, and I looked at the comments, and they're all <laughs> it, none of them are about what she's saying. It's all about she's sitting there, and she's like. And Elon Musk, <laughs> like the entire time that she's doing this uh, this video, she's they're probably secretly Chick Fil A nuggets. Maybe if that happens, her career's over. True. Yep. 
they'll they'll come after her. Uh-huh. Can't eat those. Anyway, uh, I don't know why I brought that up. I just <laughs> look up the video of of uh, AOC. Yeah. Uh, so this snacking while she's talking about Elon Musk. So th- so this is how you started uh, to introduce your sermon was talking about people's overconfidence. And if there's one thing that you know I think everyone has in common today in uh, America, um, that's maybe we could say, well, maybe even some Christians, but those that are just in the regular culture. Mm-hmm. So America's culture is... I guess you would call it, it, it's mainly just a humanistic culture, mm-hmm. but it, it contains belief in God still, yeah. um, and everyone, when they die, goes to heaven. Right. So for every person, they believe they're good. Like nobody like goes around thinking like, well, I, I suppose some do, but most people think they're good and that God will accept them. So they have this great overconfidence in their own works, right. that, God, that at the end of the day... Their good will outweigh their bad. God mm-hmm. will accept them. But you pointed out so clearly that if anyone could have done that, it was the Apostle Paul. And Paul, in, in Philippians 3, 4 through 11, goes through this whole list of how, like, if anyone could ever be saved by works, it was him. Right. He has the lineage. Mm-hmm. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews, follows the law. As to the law, he's blameless. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he's not a sinner, but he, he follows the law yeah. to be in back in right relationship with, with, uh, with God. And he says, it, he counts it as absolute rubbish yeah. uh, it, in comparison to having Christ. And having Christ and having a righteousness that's not his own, but one given to him. Right. And as a perfect setup, because you're talking about the Old Covenant mm-hmm. and the confidence that we shouldn't place in that, but we should place in Christ in the New Covenant. Right. So you had two points mm-hmm. and really two purposes. Uh, two purposes first. Your, your first purpose was to give the Christian a greater confidence right. in Christ. Second one was the non-Christian to get them to not hope in themselves, but to hope in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so two reasons why I can't, I can't, I don't have your exact plural noun proposition. That's the technical term. Uh-huh. But it was two reasons why you should have confidence in Christ. Mm. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. So two reasons why you should have confidence in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so let's go through these. The okay. first one is... You want to read the passage first? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. Yeah, read, I'm, I'm jumping the gun. We're are, talking yeah. about Planet X and stuff. Uh, got, got yeah. distracted. <coughs> so let me uh, let me pull the text up. Yeah, we can read the read the passage first. Let's have yeah, let's have you read it. I got it up on the screen now. Okay. All right. So this is Hebrews chapter nine, uh, verses eleven through fourteen, and in in one through ten, he's he. If you uh, if you listened last week, we were talking about the old covenant and um, the institution of the tabernacle and the sacrifices and the, and the priest ministry. Mm-hmm. Now in verses eleven through fourteen, uh, eleven begins with a but. He's contrasting the old covenant. And the mm-hmm. ministries of the priest with what Christ has done in the new covenant. So we have this this contrast. Uh, so beginning in chapter nine, verse eleven, 
It says, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Awesome. Good stuff. Okay. Number one, reason to have confidence in Christ. Christ's work in the new covenant is not temporary, but eternal. Mm -hmm. So the contrasting here, there are a couple of negative statements there, and they have a corresponding positive. Mm -hmm. It's it's in a bit of a chiasm. Mm -hmm. We've talked about chiasms before, those uh, kind of back and forth. So you've got positive statement, negative statement, negative statement, positive statement. Mm -hmm. That's how it's... That's how it's set up. Um, okay. And it's in contrast to this earthly tabernacle and its rituals and the things that the priests were doing. Um, but when Christ appeared. Mm-hmm. So um, we've got he, through the greater and more perfect tent, he entered once for all into the holy places. That's the positive statement. Negative statement, not made with hands. That is not of this creation. Then another negative statement, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, and then another positive statement, but by means of his own blood. And these, uh, these statements, they directly contrast with verses two through seven. So in the Old Covenant, the priests were regularly or daily going into the holy places, um, doing their, their rituals, their, all, the, um, all the upkeep of the, uh, of the tabernacle's furnishings. So the um the candlestick the bread of the presence the altar of incense um but christ mm-hmm. he didn't enter into an earthly tabernacle he entered right. into something greater yeah so the the, the tabernacle eternal. the tabernacle the earthly tabernacle um he's already said in chapter 8 it was a copy it was a right. copy and shadow of the yeah the reality and so mm-hmm. christ hasn't entered into the copy he's entered into the reality. Yeah, yeah. Question: yes. People may wonder why why the brackets here around this. They, we've encountered them a few times. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. It's um, it's it, I I believe it's there in the um in the Greek. I'll try to pull it up real quick. Um, I, I believe it's in the Greek. Uh, there's kind of um. It's, it happens when there's like an explanation. And, yeah, it's of kind something. of an in, there's kind yeah. of an insertion. It's like a pause and a, a brief explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm not sure why they uh, they translated it that way. Um, I think it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way, right? And I think that. Um, I think it's just for emphasis, maybe, yeah. to help you to get mm-hmm. the point of the contrast. Yeah. Um, it it doesn't have to be there. As I'm looking at the Greek, um, it doesn't have to be there, but like you said, uh, it's maybe to, mm-hmm. to 
to emphasize, all right, here's the, he, he enters through the greater tent, mm-hmm. not made by human hands, right? not of this creation. Mm-hmm. He enters into the holy, uh, the holy places right? Um, once for all. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, it just kind of offsets it so that yeah. it draws attention yeah. to it. I mean, obviously the, the Greek manuscripts don't have parentheses. Right. I, I don't know when parentheses first came into into fashion. I don't know. Um, it just helps with the writing, writing I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you do it when you're <laughs> writing and you want to emphasize something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um but it's it's it it is. It's contrasting. So you've got the these these Levitical priests, they're going into a physical tent, physical tabernacle, they're doing um these these rituals in this tent. But Christ, he enters into a greater, a greater place. Um, there's debate. Uh, some some theologians they think that he entered in. There's actually a, we talked about this a little bit in, mm-hmm. in chapter eight. Mm-hmm. They they think maybe there's an actual t- uh, you know, temple yeah. in in heaven. Uh-huh. Um, I, the the main emphasis is that he's entering into the very presence of God. So the, the 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 Levitical priests are going into this this earthly tabernacle, and they're separated. Yeah. Even the you know the the very design of the tabernacle is is so that there's divisions. All the people can't go into the tabernacle. There's there's there is a curtain that mm-hmm. blocks their access. Right. Only the the Levites can go in, and then only the Levites can go into the first section. Right. They can only go into the the holy place mm-hmm. where the candle you know, the, the lampstand and the bread and the incense are. Uh, but there's another curtain blocking them from the Holy of Holies, and only the high priest can go into the Holy of Holies, and then only once a year, and then only with blood. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the you know, the smoke of the incense is, is covering it, and, and there's a sense in which he can't, he can't see where God is. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ, however has not entered into this earthly tabernacle with all of its restrictions. He's actually ascended into the heavens, into the very presence of God. Right. Uh, yeah. Where he ministers as a high priest, not in the shadow, but in the reality. Mm-hmm. He, he actually is seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this superiority to what he's done compared to what the Levitical priests have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they do it. Again and again and again, um, day after day, the priests are going in, ministering in the in yeah. the tabernacle, and then every year, one day every year, year after year after year, um, the high priest would go in on the Day of Atonement and offer the sacrifice. But Christ has gone once for all, so he doesn't offer his sacrifice again and again and again. Once for all on the cross, he's offered his atoning sacrifice, and he's entered into the the true holy of holies where God actually is. And he sat down. Eternal redemption. Yes. Eternal redemption. Um, what I'm what I'm wondering when I hear the when I hear this word and the way that it's described here in Hebrews mm-hmm. is what he secures for his people. It actually it actually like sticks. Yes. So for me, when I'm thinking about the different like arguments and theological debates, you've got those who would say that you could lose your salvation. Mm-hmm. Then you have those of us, like 
you know, that we believe, we believe right. you can't lose your salvation. Right. And this would be one of the verses why we would say that. Yeah. Um, now, we wouldn't describe it as some people, they say, once saved, always saved. Right. That doesn't quite capture that, though Though that's technically, technically yes, true. Yes, yeah, yeah. But we believe more in There's, um, perse- perseverance. Right, the... Um, and we have to be careful on both sides. Right. Even with perseverance of the saints, we have to make sure that we're we're defining what we mean. Yeah, um, we can throw out these phrases, and people misunderstand them. When we just talk past each other, and we throw up these straw man arguments and, yeah. and all of this. Well, so, so the once saved, always saved. That's typical Southern Baptist well, doctrine. Well, well yeah. the, from the other side, knowing some on the other side, the critique uh, they say is, "Look, you you guys say this, and what you do is you just enable people to just to continue to they just people just live in sin, <laughs> right? With full confidence that they're going to be saved, right? Bearing no fruit whatsoever mm-hmm. that they are actually a Christian. And, and there's and there's a, there yeah. are, there are a, a lot of there's a lot of people that that act that way, right? I mean we. I mean, we've we've justly, I think, criticized yeah. um, youth camps mm-hmm. a lot. You know, this this um, they dim the lights and they play the you know they play the music to kind right. of stir up the emotions, and then yeah. you know if you you know wa- raise a hand, walk an aisle, come yeah. down, say a prayer, right. you're saved, and they never show up in church ever again. They're mm-hmm. they're they're gone. Uh, but once saved, always saved, right? right? You know, they they were saved, and so they can't lose their salvation. So there's there's a there's I think that's a right a right critique um, right. from right, from right. people. But I think that they're seeing the abuse, and they're they're taking the abuse as the justification for jettisoning the the whole idea. Right. Um, we would offer a a by no means exclamation point. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> right. That, like that's not that's not what the scriptures teach. The right. scriptures don't teach that. If you continue living in sin, that you're well, once saved, always saved. You have this security. Right. Um, the scriptures give no comfort to someone that claims to be a Christian and yet walks in darkness. Read First John. Yeah. I mean, First John is is uh, uh, all over that. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, if if we claim to be in the light or we claim to know Him and yet we walk in the darkness, we're a liar mm. and we're actually deceiving ourselves because right. the the person that that knows Him. Um, actually lives um, and so, follows him. So how then do we? Because there are people that are legitimately Christians, mm-hmm. and they actually want to follow Christ, but they struggle with assurance of salvation all the time, mm-hmm. right? They they just have such a sensitive conscience that they they feel they've let God down a lot, mm-hmm. and maybe they've sinned, and and they just struggle with actually um, having this this stability. That I think God wants us to have in our life. How does this verse about Christ going here into this greater temple, making making not a temporary sacrifice, but a one that secures eternal redemption? What can this do for a person? Well, I think the I think the reason why so many people struggle with assurance is that they've got their eyes in the wrong place. Mm. They're looking at themselves and they're seeing their sin. And and then they're they're trying to judge. Have I done enough? Mm-hmm. That's the wrong. That's the wrong place to put your eyes. Mm-hmm. As this as this passage teaches us. Right. This passage doesn't doesn't really talk about us at all. Right. Except as the beneficiaries of what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. And so, if we want to have true assurance, we got to get our eyes off of ourselves. Mm. We've got to put our eyes on Jesus mm-hmm. because our our uh, our redemption that's that's um that's exodus language yes. that's the language of of god redeeming his people israel out of 
bondage in in Egypt through the Passover lamb. Um, but then you see what happens mm-hmm. right? under the old covenant. We talked about it under the old covenant. They break the covenant, and so God God judges them. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but under the new covenant, he's he is uh, it's unbreakable because not because of the people, but because of what Jesus has done. Mm. So we need to take our eyes off of ourselves and off of our own efforts and put them on the work of Christ. Mm-hmm. What has Christ done? Christ has secured an eternal redemption. Um, this this um, this word secured. It is um, a Greek word that carries the connotation of this is the end goal for which he set out to accomplish. Mm. Um, he this this is what he left heaven for. Mm-hmm. He left heaven to secure this redemption. Um, and he succeeded on the cross. He said, Tetelestai, it has been finished. Mm-hmm. It, ha- it has been accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, he has secured this eternal redemption. Um, he's not a failure. Mm-hmm. He, he set out with a mission, and he accomplished that mission. And now, through the work of Christ, we have redemption. Right. By looking to him, not not by our own efforts, not by our not by our good works, even by our religious practices, it's Christ alone. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean, you can't see it. Well, no, there, you can't. Yeah. You can't see it it's right here. Christ alone. We need to get that camera that pans out that and shows George Christ alone. alone. It's it's Christ alone, right? It's he he has come to do this, and so the the redemption that he has secured, it is as perfect as he is. And it is as eternal as he is. He has um, the the weaknesses of the old covenant, and the reason why they had to do the same sacrifices over and over and over again is because of the the priest. The priest died. The priest died. They, their their ministry could not secure an eternal redemption because right. they died. Mm-hmm. They they were sinners themselves, and they were offering sacrifices that weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. They were, they were animal sacrifices. Christ has come as the perfect priest. He's holy, innocent, undefiled, um, separated from sinners. Uh, that's what the end of, of chapter seven tells us. Um, he, he is the perfect sinless one. Yeah. Um, later on in um, verse 14, we have him unblemished. Mm. Um, so he's perfect. He offers the greater sacrifice, his own blood. We'll mm-hmm. see that in just a minute. Um, and then he has gone into the actual presence of God where he lives forever. Mm. It's eternal because he never stops being this perfect high priest who has offered this perfect sacrifice. Um, this this idea of once for all, I didn't want to spend a lot of time on it because when we get to chapter 10, um, he really hammers the point once for all time, a single sacrifice. Um, so I, I'm kind of saving the that that emphasis for when it really lands in chapter 10. But it's once for all because Christ's sacrifice and his ministry as high priest is perfect. And so look to Christ. Don't look to yourself. You're looking, if, if you're struggling with assurance, um, one, it could be because you're living in sin. Mm-hmm. So turn away from your sin. Um, turn to Christ. Um, he, has, he has died for sins. Don't continue living in those sins. So if 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 you are constantly battling um, with uh, with assurance and and you don't know, am I really a Christian? Well, 
first examine your life and, and ask yourself, am I living as a Christian? That, that doesn't mean living without sin. It means, are you walking in it? Right. Are you, are you enjoying your sin? Are you willfully seeking out ways to sin? Um, if you are, you need to have a, you need to really examine yourself. Are, are you really a Christian or are you just trusting? Well, I said a prayer when I was, you know, eight years old and it doesn't matter how I live. I haven't been in church for, you know, 20 years, but you know, once saved, always saved, but I don't always feel it. Right. <laughs> Maybe you're not. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not. Um, you need to examine your life. But second, if you're, if you're, if you're saying, no, I, I am striving to be a Christian. I am, I'm, 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 uh, trusting in Christ and um, I believe I'm, I'm actually born again, and, and I'm you know going to church, and I'm reading my Bible, and I'm still struggling with assurance. Maybe it's 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 simply because you're you're spending too time you're you're still spending too much time looking at yourself, and you're you're still kind of sneaking in that. Well, am I am I doing enough? Am I right. doing good enough? Let it go and look to Christ. Look to Christ. Right. Um, trust in His perfect work. Um, there's some people that are just going to struggle with it. Right. There, there, there are people that um, maybe this is it's just part of their Christian life is they're they're going to struggle. Um, I often think of of David Brainerd. A lot of people haven't heard of David Brainerd, but he was uh, he was a missionary in the uh, the 18th century. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was doing mission work with um, some Native Americans. Um, he was. Uh, um, I, I don't remember if he was, I think he was just a close friend of Jonathan Edwards. Um, j- after he died, um, he died when he was 30, I think. Um, Jonathan Edwards compiled his his um, his diary. Mm. And you can read the diary of David Brainerd. And uh, it's a difficult read because um, one day he'll be on top of the world. <laughs> he'll be right. on that mountaintop. Uh-huh. Um, I've never felt so close to Christ, and I, I feel the fellowship of God and, and, and the love of God. And and um, the next day, he'll be like, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. Right. I mean, he's, I mean, he is really up and down, and it's it's a difficult read because mm-hmm. um, he's all over the place. Um, but he keeps coming back to Christ. Right, yeah. And I don't know why there's some people that struggle that way. Yeah, but there are there are some people that that will struggle that way. Take heart in your weakness. Look to Christ. Yeah, um, you may not always feel the way you want to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, some people Christ, just... Christ that that the gospel is an objective reality. Right. It's 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 true, no matter how you feel. So uh-huh. when you feel that lack of assurance, when you feel like I I, I feel far from God. Look to Christ. Yeah. He has objectively secured eternal redemption. Right. Right. Yeah. Some people just have. They just feel things more than other people. Yeah, anyway, they, they do. Yeah. Think, I think about uh, John. Remember the John Piper talking to MacArthur. Maybe <laughs> right. this is like maybe several years ago. This not the is, most recent. This one. is at least. This is probably fifteen years ago. I gotta find it. We'll show it on a free for all Friday or something. <laughs> but John Piper's talking about this type of thing, right? The emotions that he has and right. how he's up and uh-huh. he's down, you know, so he can get really down and he's like says something to John MacArthur, like, you know what I mean? And he's like, No. Yeah, he, he talks about how, you know, he'll he'll just cry sometimes. Yeah. It, just it, for it, no reason. He just he just he'll just feel in the dumps sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, and he looks at MacArthur and MacArthur's like 
Well, yeah, what no. are you talking about? <laughs> no, nope. <laughs> MacArthur just just uh, just steady. It's uh, it's classic Piper and yeah. MacArthur. Yeah. <laughs> they're, just they're steady. Just, they are just emotionally polar opposites. Like a like a preaching Terminator. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's. Um, I mean, you look at uh, you look at David in the Psalms, and he he's he's down a lot. He's, I mean, he's got he's he's he, in his feels, he, George. He experiences he experiences what the a lot say. of sorrows. That's what the kids say. These oh days. yeah, in his feels. It's like what you're learning on that TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I definitely. I'm gonna pull some TikToks from uh-huh. your. You were talking there for about maybe like six minutes straight. There's some there's some good gems in there for TikTok. Well, for I, sure. You know, I I know that there are people that that. They often can feel down. They can feel um, sorrow. They can feel depression, and and it, it they feel like if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't feel this way. Um, no, that's not that's not necessarily the case. Um, look to Christ. That doesn't that doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to feel like you know uh, sunshine and roses, right? You know, yeah. um, Jesus was a man of sorrows. Uh, it said he was acquainted with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I imagine that uh, Paul was down pretty often. <laughs> you know, after getting shipwrecked for the third time. There we go again, floating at sea. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if God really loved me, <laughs> I would make it there without without having floating to float on in this. the same sea that. Something swallowed Jonah. Uh-huh. I wouldn't have survived. <laughs> yeah, that what they call it, glossa, whatever. Fear of the deep. Uh, I couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah, too much deep water. Um, but look to Christ. He has objectively and um, finally secured this eternal redemption. Yeah, yeah, and uh, will. We're we're gonna when we get to chapter ten, we're gonna see that once for all, uh, over and over and over yeah. again. He really is going to to um, to emphasize it. It's it's kind of the crescendo to which we're building. Mm-hmm. Um, talking mm-hmm. about the mm-hmm. new covenant, and it it'll be a while before we get there. Um, but when we get there, uh, hopefully, it will be an encouragement as people are looking to Christ and His once for all. Um, sacrifice i f- i feel like george i feel like you know there's there's some things that people just intuitively know no matter what theological spectrum they find themselves on whether they're they would be on maybe on our end that are more calvinist and or there are many and you know everybody prays like god is sovereign mm-hmm. right right nobody prays like he's not yeah nor do people when they share the gospel say hey uh like let me tell you about jesus he can maybe save you <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. Like, how, you couldn't do it. You could not, you would never, ever evangelize if that's what mm-hmm. you offered. You know, like the guy at the pawn shop, best I can do is 50%. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, no, you you tell your friend or your family member, you say, if you come to Jesus, he will save you. Right. And when you stand up to preach, you're preaching in full confidence and you're offering Christ and, mm-hmm. and you're telling, the, you're calling out to the sinner, repent. Yeah. Uh, Christ loves to save sinners. Mm. That's something that I love to tell people. They like, like, like he's somehow reluctant right like no no <laughs> this, you should this again yeah. this this is the reason why he came yes it was to secure this eternal redemption for his people yeah and so if you come to him he's not going to be like yeah nah yeah yeah that's what he came to do he yeah. came to do this and he's not so if you come to him 
He'll do it. He's not the pawn shop guy. <laughs> right. He doesn't say best I got for you is fifty percent. Right. If you if you continue in and, and you put yours in, you put in your work too, mm-hmm. then maybe we can get to eternal life. Right. But that's not that's not what no, he offers. That's not, that's that's not, not what it. the preacher is offering. Like every he's, a, cre- he's a powerful yeah. savior. Yeah. He's he's we, a powerful savior. He does love to save sinners and he is able to save sinners. So if yeah, you're if you're listening yeah. and you're still you're still not there, you still haven't come to Christ. Um because you haven't done enough, you're you're you still don't feel like you're good enough, or that God knows all the things you've done, and He's He's you know hands off. That is not what we see in just this one verse. In this one verse, um, we don't see that because um, this is the reason why He yeah. He came. Mm-hmm. He came to do this, this and is... if you come to Him, He both is able and will save you. Yes, and this is why, pre like in his earthly ministry, Jesus offered eternal life because he knew he was about to secure eternal redemption. So, mm-hmm. for instance, in John five, uh, five verse twenty four, mm-hmm. he says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, maybe has, <laughs> maybe will get it, has eternal life, mm-hmm. like gets it now. It's right. something we possess now." Mm-hmm. Um, he has passed from death to life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Yeah. And that's that's not even like a future reality. That's something that he gives to the person that is living right now. Right. Eternal life now. You possess mm. it because Christ acquired eternal redemption. Mm. There's a, a little bit um, that I, I didn't I didn't talk about in verse eleven. It says that Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's a textual variant there. Um, a lot of manuscripts. I think the majority of the manuscripts actually say Christ appears a high priest of the good things to come, mm-hmm. um, which is picked up again in in chapter ten, verse one, um, to come. Uh-huh. Um, and it's. Uh, I think that um, the reason why there's that variant is because there's there's the already and the not yet. I think there's that tension that's that's felt throughout the New Testament. Right. Um, he has come. The good things have come. Mm-hmm. Um, Christ has inaugurated his kingdom, and so the benefits and the promises of the new covenant are realities now for his people. Right. Um, the law is written on their hearts. They know God. They have fellowship with him mm-hmm. um, and access. Their sins are forgiven. But there's still, there's still something to come. We're, we're going to enter into the fullness of his kingdom when, when Christ comes. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, the good things have come. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to wait till you die to have that fellowship with God because Christ has entered into the, the holy places, the actual presence of God. And um, through the new covenant, where Christ is, that's where we're going to be. Right. Yep. All right. So have great confidence. You can have great confidence in Christ because Christ's work is not temporary, it's permanent or eternal. Mm-hmm. And But second, you can have great confidence in Christ because Christ's work is not outward, it's not for outward purification, mm-hmm. but for inward transformation. Mm-hmm. So there is, in the Old Covenant, um, it can't accomplish something that Christ does, and he gets to it by um, talking about 
lesser and greater. Mm-hmm. Again, there's an argument from lesser to the greater here, which is a common teaching method. Uh-huh. Jesus employed this method as well. He's he's already done it in chapter two. Um, if the if the message that the angels um, gave, uh, we should you know uh, we should listen to that. How much more should we listen to? This message, the mm-hmm. good news that's come to us. So he's already, he's already used the lesser to greater in the book right. of Hebrews. So mm-hmm. he, this is the second time he uses that that kind of argument. Um, so if the if the lesser sacrifices can accomplish this lesser thing, how much more can the greater sacrifice accomplish a greater thing? So let's talk about the lesser. There's the lesser, and you can if you pull if you pull up your Bible, you'll see it. Um, or maybe uh, I can even put the text back up, and you can take a gander at it again. Uh, let's do that. Let's switch over there. So you see verse 13. So the lesser being the, the blood of goats and bulls and uh, the sprinkling of a defiled person with the ashes of a heifer, if that can sanctify and purif- purify the flesh, then the greater, how much more mm-hmm. will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish or spot, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. So there's the Old Testament, mm-hmm. the old sacrificial system. They have these this ritual mm-hmm. um, where they would sprinkle you with with the uh, this water and the ashes of a heifer. Yeah. Uh, do you want to you want to summarize the whole thing for us? It comes where and where it comes from. <laughs> yeah. And, and what its purpose was. Right. Um, so the blood of goats and bulls. That's um, that's the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. Um, We've we've seen that already, but now we have this um, the ashes of a red heifer, mm-hmm. which comes out of nowhere. <laughs> right. Um, this is from Numbers nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can go back and look at Numbers nineteen. They would take this, uh, and th- this was an interesting sacrifice because um, out of all the sacrifices, this one is prescribed to be a female, um, and it's a sacrifice that's done actually outside the camp. It's not done at the tabernacle. It's done outside um, the camp. And um, the color is mentioned. Right. It has to be it red. It has to be red. Right. And and the purpose, you said, was for people who had touched a dead body. Yeah. So they would take this uh, this red heifer that um, was was without any blemish. Mm-hmm. Um, it had never been yoked. Mm-hmm. So it's not. it hasn't ever worked. It's... it's just been a cow, right? Mm-hmm. It's just been a female cow. They take it outside the camp and they kill it. Then um, Eleazar, who was um, Aaron's son, would um, sprinkle the blood towards the tabernacle seven times. Then they would completely incinerate it. Um, so th- this is even different from some of the other sacrifices at the tabernacle because they would only burn you know, some of it. Um, but this is complete incineration of the entire body. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the priest would al- also throw in um, cedar wood, hyssop, and um, scarlet thread mm-hmm. into this fire, burn it all up together. And then they would take the ashes of, of this, um, this, uh, this red heifer, and um, they would store it in a clean place outside the, the camp. Mm-hmm. And then when someone became impure through touching a dead body, either um, through war or you know, someone dies next to you or you're a family member and you're you know, caring for a dead body and you become ceremonially unclean, mm-hmm. which means that you can't approach the tabernacle to worship. If you're, if you're ceremonially unclean, you have to, you have to wait um, 
to become clean. Um, so they would mix uh, some of this, these ashes in this water, and then they would sprinkle the, the unclean person um, on the third day and on the seventh day, and on the seventh day they'd become clean, um, and they could approach God again. They could come back in the camp? Yeah. So I was wondering about this mm -hmm. and how it ties into mm. Genesis 3 and why outside the camp. Okay. Is it because, and you know, you have these different levels of uncleanness. Yeah. Is it because death is the most unclean? Because it's the furthest from, like, God's design? Yeah, I, I think so. So um, in the... Um in the structure of Israel's encampment in the wilderness, um, it's in um, a square. Mm -hmm. um, in the very center is the tabernacle, and in the very center of of that is the holy of holies, where the ark is. So the mm -hmm. very the very center of Israel's encampment is where God is, the holy of holies. It's the most holy place. Um, around the tabernacle are uh, are the the Levites. They encamp around the tabernacle, so they're to be holy. Um, anyone who approaches can be put to death. Right? Um, and then outside of that is just the regular tribes. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, uh, they're positioned outside the Levites. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that is the unclean place. Um, this is where they would bury dead bodies. This is where they would go to the bathroom. <laughs> this is... Um, where they would send the scapegoat on the Day of Atonement, they'd send it out into the wilderness, and this was where they would um, kill this this red heifer. It's the place of uncleanness and death. Uh, if you had if you had leprosy, this is where you would go to the, mm. uh, outside the camp because you're unclean. So probably the 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 idea is that it's it's um, it goes out to this place of death. Mm -hmm. um, in order to purify people from death, which is going to be picked up right. in chapter 13. Right. Um, this, yeah. this is not the last time we, we um, get the, the red heifer mm -hmm. um, illustration. It, it's picked up again in, in chapter 13. Mm -hmm. um, and again, remember from, from, uh, from last week, verse, uh, verse 9, this, this, all this stuff, it's a parable for Israel pointing them to the reality of Christ in the new covenant. Right. So when you're when you're hearing this stuff and you're thinking that sounds familiar. It should. Right. <laughs> it should it should sound familiar. Um because that's exactly what the author of Hebrews is trying to get you to do. He's trying to see this is uh, this is pointing to Jesus. Mm -hmm. This this uh, this sacrifice or this you know this uh um this this um heifer that's that's sacrificed outside in the place of death is meant to purify the people from their their uncleanness because of death. Right. Um, I mean, there's the gospel in Numbers 19. Yeah. It's, it's, it's I'd, never, I'd never spent really any time um, thinking about the red heifer mm. and uh, doing some research into it. It's, it's, really, it. it's really interesting. Right. It's really interesting. Um, because there's, uh, there's a lot of talk about the red heifer. Yeah, there is. Nowadays. Yeah. Um, so in, cause, uh, cause they've been trying, yeah, they've been, they've trying, been trying for years get, and yeah, years Yeah, they've been trying years. to breed, they've been trying to breed red heifers. Pure, Cause it's gotta be straight red with no yeah, yeah, spots or blemishes right, of any kind. Right. Yeah. Um, so according to, um, to rabbinical tradition, 
there have been nine red heifers sacrificed since Moses' time. That's it? That's what the rabbis say. Hmm. Um, the last one, of course, was sacrificed. I guess a they little... guess they, they've been, uh, they've been, you got to ration those ashes then, like, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, right. <laughs> like just a little bit right. in right. each offering. Yeah, so um, the last, um, the last priest to kill the red heifer was Ishmael ben Fabi, um, high priest from AD 58 to 60. Hmm. Um, so they, they had to stop after the destruction of the temple. Because so they would so what they would do is that they would they would actually do this this um this ritual on the Mount of Olives. Mm. Um so they considered that outside the camp, I guess. I I was wondering about that because once they came into the land, what's outside the camp right now? Do they have to go, you know outside the walls? Outside the Jordan to to do this. I guess they they did it outside of Jerusalem, outside Mm -hmm. of where the temple was. They did it um Right there, yeah. Right there on the Mount of Olives. So after the, the temple was destroyed, um, they obviously stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, had, they had no no way to do it. Um, what's interesting is that um, the, uh, oh, where is it? Uh, the Samaritans, you know, they, they didn't consider the temple to be the, the, holy, right. the holy place, mm-hmm. right? Um, they considered Mount Gerizim to be the holy place. Um, they uh, they continued burning the red heifer until 1348. Wow. Um, and the ashes of the last burned heifer was preserved until about 1600. So they mm. really were preserving the, the ashes, 200 years yeah. um, of preserving this. So I don't know exactly how they did this, but that's um, historically, I guess that's, that's what happens. Hmm. Um, it was suggested that the uh, Qumran community kept doing it, but I don't know. But anyway, um, according to rabbinical tradition, um, nine of these these red heifers have been sacrificed since Moses to the destruction of the temple. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the rabbis they have taught that the tenth red heifer would be sacrificed by the Messiah himself. Mm. So that's what they're doing. When, right. Whenever you hear the, you know, the the news, well, you know, Israel has a red heifer now, and right. and all of this. Right. That's what they're doing. They're 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 preparing for the Messiah to come, and he's supposed to sacrifice this red heifer, the tenth one, and um, rebuilt temple and right. and all of this. Um, I had someone talking to me yesterday about the guy you were telling me about. Yeah, yeah. The guy over in Israel. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, who I don't know. There, some people are saying he's the Messiah. Right. Yeah. The uh, I gotta look this guy up. Maybe we'll show it on free for all. Yeah, Friday. we should talk about this. The ultra orthodox there. They have uh, all their like old rabbis. You know the the most powerful ones over there. There's this guy that um, they've apparently have revealed that they believe he's the Messiah. He's like I think like 33 years old. He's like a genius, a Torah genius. Mm. So he has wisdom like beyond any of them. And uh, yeah, he, you know, he's just looks like a regular guy. Yeah, I mean, kind of looks like you a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Keep my eye on you. Make sure Are you're you? not <laughs> catching any flights over there, and you know, pulling any tricks on us. But uh-huh. yeah, they uh, yeah. they think 
and apparently people are attributing miracles and things like mm. that to this guy that he's uh-huh. done miracles and and things. So I, I don't know. I want to I want to look more into it and yep. make sure this isn't like the Jewish version of QAnon. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, there there is uh, there is this. Um, but we know what will happen. This will be the person who is not right. Like right. He, he's a false messiah. Well, here's the here's the thing. So the so the tradition of the rabbis is that the messiah is going to come and he's going to sacrifice this tenth red heifer, and they're going to you know they're going to rebuild. They're going to have a third temple, and and they're going to reinstitute temple sacrifices, and, mm-hmm. and the messiah is going to be here, and and he's going to be you know kind of head over over that and. They're going to defeat all their enemies. And he'll be a militaristic liberator, and right? All those things. Yeah. So all the all these uh, you know all these these futuristic prophecy pundits. They're oh yeah, you know. yeah. So this so they got five. They got five uh, red heifers from Texas, September fifteenth. So just um, you know a few months back is when this when this happened apparently. Mm. Um, but you know all the all these these prophecy guys are going to be losing their minds over this. Um, what they need to do is they need to yeah. read Hebrews and they need to draw the connection that uh-huh. the that the author of Hebrews is drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, so the so this red heifer, the the ashes um, are stored in a, a clean place, and so they can access them. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever someone becomes impure through touching a dead body, they the the ashes are mixed with this water. It's the water of impurity. And they're sprinkled with this water, and they become clean again. Yeah, and you mean ceremonially? Ceremonially, yeah, yeah. though. It, though interesting, the this the the this the sacrifice of the red heifer. It's called a um, a sin offering. Mm. It's a purification from sins. Ah. So there, we don't think in terms of you know if you touch a dead body, you have sin, right? Like we don't because we're not we we don't follow the ritual, um, the ceremonies. Right. right. Um, we have to understand that what this is doing, even the ceremonial uh, things, the, the things that make them ceremonially unclean, are cutting them off from access to God. Right. So they're they're that's that the, the connection between the Day of Atonement sacrifices and this red heifer are are because of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, both both of these things are are cutting the people off from from God. So right. you can't you can't come to the temple or the tabernacle and worship God if you're ceremonially unclean. In fact, if if you touch a dead body and you aren't cleansed by this water, um, you are cut off from the people because interesting connection to what's going on in Hebrews chapter nine. You've actually made the tabernacle of Yahweh unclean. Mm-hmm. So you're defiling the the place where God is mm-hmm. by not becoming clean. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you can't just you can't just touch a dead body and then go and, and go in yeah. and worship God. It's like you become because what, ceremonially what, dead. Because what is because what what is what is death? The wages of sin. Yeah, um, it's the the connection. It's a, a direct mm-hmm. connection, right? Um, but these are um, again, this is a parable. Right. It's pointing to something greater, mm-hmm. and um, hopefully, people are drawing those connections um, even now. Is that the real issue is the heart, um, the 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 problem is you've got these these ritual sacrifices. They can purify the body, but what can they do about the real problem? 
mean, if you if right. you got if you got a guilty conscience, mm-hmm. um, what is you know being sprinkled with this ashy water <laughs> going to do for you, right? Yeah, um, it can make you ceremonially um, clean again, so you can go to the tabernacle. But what's it do about the conscience? So there's the lesser to to greater argument, right? So these these sacrifices are good for purifying the body. But how much more will the blood of Christ purify the conscience mm-hmm. from dead works? Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. So the the connection. It's uh, as I start as I was reading it and doing all the research. I was like, this is this is this is amazing. <laughs> the, the connections are are amazing because um, uh, uh, the the red heifer, um, the ashes in the water were supposed to purify the the person. Um, who is unclean because of touching a dead body. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real problem is that we're the dead body. Right. <laughs> like the pro- the problem is not us touching something that makes us unclean. The problem is we're unclean. We are unclean. Yeah. Um, and we're separated from God and we we are cut off from access to God. And we're we, dead. We we're... can't go we can't go and just um, go into the presence of God right. however we want because of who we are. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. Yeah. Yeah, we're 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 the yeah. unclean ones. We're yeah. the impure ones. Um, the ashes of a red heifer aren't going to to do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not going to do anything for us. But the blood of Christ, um, He purifies our conscience from dead works, mm. um, the things that we've done um, apart from Christ. They do nothing to right. gain us access with God. They're they're dead. But Christ purifies our conscience from dead works in order that we might serve the living God. That's yeah. pretty amazing. It is. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So the 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 uncleanness um, of touching a dead body, the ceremonial uh, uncleanness, is purified by the ashes of this of this uh, red heifer, and now they can come before God. But we who were dead in our sins and trespasses and cut off from God now because of the blood of Christ that is far superior to the ashes of a red heifer um, sprinkled on us purifies us so that we're no longer dead but now we can serve which is the same word that's used of the works the ministry of the priest Mm -hmm. now we are made to be clean priest Mm. to serve God yeah um and that's that's all there in Numbers chapter nineteen. That's right. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. That's, I, it, I, it is very. It, yeah, it's very amazing. Um, but we can see what Christ has done. How it's superior in, in verse fourteen. Uh-huh. The blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, um, uh, offered Himself without blemish to God. Mm-hmm. We have the Trinity. Right. There's this Trinitarian. It's interesting. Um, there's actually a debate over what eternal spirit means. Mm-hmm. Um, through, through the eternal spirit, there are some theologians that, that are saying it's his eternal spirit. Mm. Um, so because he's eternal, he can do this. Hmm. Um, even some people that I was surprised when I when I read it. Yeah, like that's a that's a bad take. I don't right. think that's what that means. Right. I th- I think that it's the trinitarian work because mm-hmm. you go back to Isaiah chapter 42 verse 1 and the Messiah uh, God God promises that the Messiah is going to have the spirit. So he, he's he's going to work through the spirit. And this is this yeah. is uh, again kind of chasing some 
kind of side trails. Um, this is really prominent in the Gospel of Luke. Uh-huh. Um, the Gospel of Luke, um, Jesus is empowered by the Spirit all over the place, um, from his conception to um, the temptation to his ministry. He's empowered by the Spirit, which the connection to Hebrews is that there are there are theories that either Paul or Luke may have mm-hmm. wrote um, the book of Hebrews. So mm-hmm. there's this emphasis upon the empowering of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Messiah. But um, that's neither here nor there. That doesn't really uh, affect the interpretation. I think that there's there is the that Christ as a man as as the Messiah. He's not doing his work under his own power. He is filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit is enabling him to accomplish his his purpose. So he's he's sustained on the cross by the Spirit. Uh, I think that's that's what's going on here. That the the death of Christ it's superior to all these sacrifices under the old covenant because he offers himself through the the power of the eternal Spirit, unblemished to God the Father. And so this this um, this atonement, the cross, is a trinitarian work, and so we can have great confidence that it works because the triune God actually is working together to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. What are you looking for in John? Oh, I'm looking for the passage where it says that He has a Spirit without measure, and now I can't it's, find it. Um, that's chapter three, isn't it? I thought so. Isn't but that now I can't a- find it's it. uh, it's after? Isn't it John the Baptist? Isn't it when John the Baptist is talking? Uh, I think it's after Jesus talks to Nicodemus. I think uh, they go to John, um, and uh, they say he's baptizing more people than you. And John starts mm-hmm, talking about mm-hmm. how how much greater Jesus is yep, than mm-hmm. he is. Yeah, right. And I I think he says it somewhere in there. Hmm. Yeah. I yeah. Can't find it. Mm-mm. That's a shame. Yeah. He get yeah. Oh, there it is. Thirty four. Okay. Yeah. For he, he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. So, there you go. And so Jesus does his operation. He, he does his work by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Baptism, Spirit comes upon him, mm-hmm. goes into the wilderness, and that's like a recreation of what happened with Adam. Mm-hmm. He succeeds, Spirit compels him into his ministry, healings, casting out demons, teaching with great power, signs, all that through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. In Mark chapter 1, it says that the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Like he's compelled by the Spirit to go out. Yeah. it. You know, people, and we've talked about it before on here, that in Jesus's life, he doesn't, he doesn't like go into God mode. Right. Like he's living as a man. Yeah. He's so the miracles a, yeah. he does... Mm-hmm. He's doing by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that's that's what that's what happens here. So he offers him up mm-hmm. by that power, same power, power of the Holy Spirit, not not a force power. Right, a the person, person, the person of the Holy Spirit. So yeah. Jesus on the cross is offering the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. He he is the he is the priest and the sacrifice. He does it through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he is offering himself to God the Father. Yeah. So this is a sacrifice that is to God, um, in order to purify our our guilty conscience. This term did not come up. I was surprised in the conference, but it's in the little handout we gave out the inseparable operations. Mm-hmm. 
that's what that no, means. they work together. They work There's together. Been, I've, I've had people ask me before, and I've, I've run across this, um, who raised Jesus from the dead? Because as you read um, the book of Acts, um, it talks about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, he he raised himself. Mm-hmm. Um, God the Father raised him. The Holy Spirit raised him. Right. Who raised Jesus? Yeah. Yes. Oh. <laughs> the answer is yes, because you can't separate the the works of right. the triune God. That right. the, the triune God raised Jesus from the dead. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That's good. Yep. Good stuff. So we can uh, we can have confidence. Uh-huh. We can have confidence. We can have confidence that because of of what Christ has done, um, we have eternal redemption. And um, we can have confidence because this this redemption greater than um, this this picture we get in the Old Testament um, it actually purifies us not on the out on the outside but actually transforms us on the inside yeah and so we can have confidence um, to to follow Christ right what um, where are you going next and how many more sermons until I've got, you take a break? Uh, I've got two more two more sermons. Okay. Um, I've got fifteen through twenty two um, next week, and uh, there's uh, some tricky stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I wanted to take it by itself. Th- this whole thing, I mean, it's it's one argument. The the whole chapter, read the whole chapter, right? Um, as as one unit, but um, to to preach one chapter would be too much right um there's yeah. too much in there and uh 15 through 22 could be connected to either either this passage or the next one but there's some tricky stuff in there so i wanted to take it by itself and make sure that we uh we understand what's going on all right yeah so. awesome good stuff well thank you yeah yep thanks for uh listening and watching conform to christ i hope this has been beneficial to you no it is our our goal and our purpose is to uh, explain uh, the Bible to you in a way that you can understand. And we do a lot of that on Text Driven Tuesday. And then on Fridays, on our Free For All Friday, you know, we talk about things from the culture and things that are going on in the world all around us. And we try to have some fun. We have a good time. We laugh. We make jokes. Uh, but we also want to show uh, how we can apply the Bible to all of life on Free For All, Free For All Friday. So we hope that you'll come back for that. If this has been beneficial to you, uh, please like, subscribe, share, uh, maybe write us a review. As always, we hope this helps you to become more and more conformed to Christ. See you next time.